I'll never forget my uh, first Christmas Eve here at Preston Hollow. We finished our final worship service of the night, and I walked back to my office both utterly exhausted and yet totally wired. Have you ever been in that place where you could just, you feel like you could fall asleep, but then you go to bed and you just stay awake for hours? I was so wired. And so I packed up all my stuff, and uh, it was close to midnight, and I grabbed my phone, and I was walking out to my car, and uh, I opened it and saw all these text messages that I had missed. And one of the text messages was from uh, one of my best friends from college, uh, from freshman year. His name was Mike. Mike texted this, uh, hey, Ruffner, thanks for ruining Christmas. That was the least silent night I've ever heard in my entire life. For the love of God, please tell them to turn off your microphone next time. It's so good to have friends. Will you forgive me? Mike, Merry Christmas, buddy. I know you're watching. I totally get it. I think Mike is right. We haven't come uh, to this space this evening uh, to be rattled. We haven't come to this space uh, expecting for things to go a bit awry. You certainly have not come here tonight counting on my microphone to stay on for silent night. No, we come to this space. We return to the traditions found here. We return to the familiar carols. We come and fall into this ancient story, hoping to discover as if for the first time that the deepest darkness is not the place that grace or hope or love or joy go to die, but the deepest darkness in our lives and in our world is the very place where grace and hope and love and joy go to be reborn. You know, there's a a word in the Gospels, actually in in the entire biblical narrative. It's there in the Old English more than it is in our common translations. It's a word, it's an old word, it's that word behold. It's uh, in the King James Version. Some of you grew up reading or having the King James read to you, and you know that word. It's an old word, but it's in that King James Version a lot, 1,300 times. Some of you are going to Google this, and you'll know it's not quite 1,300. I uh, rounded up. It's 1,298, Mike, but I just called it 1,300. 1,300 times that word behold is in there because it's an old word, like I said, and we didn't have in the old English for a way for us to say, hey, um, wake up. Look, pay attention. Something is about to happen. I know that you are reading the words on the page, and it looks like the story is headed in this direction, but watch out, uh, because God is fixing to do something new. Uh, That word, behold, shows up in the King James Version 1,300 times to say, you know what? I know it looks like things are coming to an end, but actually the ending is just the beginning, so pay attention. I don't know about you, but in my life, no one has gone uh, in front of me, Cindy, and said, "Uh, behold, Not one time, not one time have I ever been forewarned for how the living God is going to break into my life and awaken me in a new way. Never in my life have I gotten a warning for when God was going to do a new thing. Turns out in this life, we don't get those kind of warnings. It's been true for a long time. 1935, New York City. Night court in one of the uh, southernmost boroughs. 
Night court is happening. Judge is on the bench when Mayor LaGuardia walks in, walks to uh, the bench and says, uh, Judge, you can go home, be with your family. You spend more nights here than you do with them, so go home. I got the bench tonight. Mayor LaGuardia takes his place, uh, reads the docket. He says, the next uh, item on the docket tonight is, we have uh, someone who was accused of stealing. Will you please stand up? Uh, a tattered older woman comes before uh, Mayor LaGuardia, and he says, it says here that uh, you've been brought in tonight for stealing. Is that true? And she said, uh, yes, your mayor. I mean, your honor. I mean, what do I call you? And she said, and he said, you know, just call me mayor. She said, yeah, mayor, uh, I've been brought in for stealing because I, I stole. He said, are you sure you want to progress like this? And she said, yeah, I, uh, I stole. He said, what'd you steal? She said, I stole a loaf of bread from the market just around the corner from my uh, house. Mayor LaGuardia said, well, why did, why did you steal that loaf of bread? She said, well, uh, here's the deal. I'm taking care of my grandkids. My daughter is sick. I don't know where her husband is, but uh, I've run out of money and food. And I have uh, two grandchildren at home, and they are literally, literally, they're starving. They just want some food. So I went to the corner market. I didn't know what else to do. I stole a loaf of bread. I went home, and I fed them. And Mayor LaGuardia said, uh, ma'am, surely if the person who owned that store were here right now, they would not proceed with these charges. Just as Mayor LaGuardia said that, the person who owned that store stood up and said, uh, Mayor, I object. <laughs> I do want to proceed with these charges. You see, in my neighborhood, it's a dangerous neighborhood. We've got to punish this woman because if we don't punish this woman, then it's going to send a message to everyone in our neighborhood that you can come to my store, you can steal whatever you want, and you'll get away with it. This woman, uh, Mayor, not only does she need to be punished, but she needs to be made an example of. Mayor LaGuardia, LaGuardia set back breathed a sigh, and he said, well, ma'am, the law says I have to punish you. And the law says uh, that you are going to have to spend one day in jail, but it sounds like you got some grandkids that you need to take care of. But the law also says you can spend one day in jail or pay a $10 fine. And as soon as he said that, he reached out uh, from his wallet, and he pulled a $10 bill, and he stuck it in the hat that was sitting right there on the bench. And he said, um, and so I'm going to pay your fine. I'm going to remit your fine. Here's $10. And she said, oh, mayor, I'm so thankful. He said, I'm not done there. Um, as the judge over this court tonight, I'm going to fine everybody in the court tonight 50 cents for living in a city where a grandmother has to steal a loaf of bread just to feed her grandchildren. Bailiff, I want you to come forward and please walk around the courtroom and collect 50 cents from every person in the courtroom. The papers the next day ran this story and said not only did the bailiff come forward, but the bailiff collected 50 cents from every person in the courtroom that night, including the other petty criminals who were there to have their cases tried. The last two people that the bailiff collected from turns out the shopkeeper. And then the bailiff went back to Mayor LaGuardia and said, I'll take your 50 cents. The papers the next day said, that the bailiff had collected $47.50 and handed them over to the judge. And the judge then handed them over, that's right, to the grandmother. Turns out, in this world, angels don't wear wings. Rarely do we get a warning of, behold, watch out. 
I know it looks like this is going to happen, but God is going to do a new thing. Rarely in this life or in this world do we know that it's coming. No, we are encountered by the living God. Divine revelation, holy encounter, it leaves us utterly breathless, looking back on our lives to what? That's right, behold what God has done in and through us. But this is what we learned from the text. The text that uh, Jeannie just read so beautifully. Every character in our text tonight uh, is greeted with that word behold. But that is not the end of their story. It was actually just the beginning. I don't know about you, but sometimes I think in this uh, journey of faith, we think if we have uh, experienced a moment of uh, divine revelation, grace, love, mercy in a way that we didn't expect, that that's the end of it. Like, oh, that's the whole point. The text tells us when we have been encountered by the living Christ that it's actually not the end. It's just the beginning. And you want to know who should know about that? It's ministers. You would think we clergy, John, would know this and we would see it coming. Turns out clergy people of all varieties happen to be the last people to understand this. I don't know why this is. I think maybe it's all of our uh, theology it gets in the way, or perhaps it's our professional expectations that we have to have all the answers. I learned this to be true a couple of weeks ago. A friend of my, mine introduced me to this uh, Episcopal priest. His name is Lonnie Lacey. I mean, can you imagine having a name like Lonnie Lacey? Incredible. Lonnie Lacey is an Episcopal priest, and he did all of his uh, div study in Washington, D.C. In between his first year and his second year, he had to serve as a hospital chaplain intern at Washington National Hospital. Lonnie reported for his uh, orientation, and he was assigned to the neonatal intensive care unit for the whole summer. Lonnie admittedly, said, on the first day, I had no idea what I was doing. But I just dressed the part, and I was trying to fake it until I made it. So Lonnie shows up first day, uh, and he has a start shirt on, tie on, blazer on. He's got that shiny new hospital badge that, you know, has a little clip on it. And at the very bottom, it says, chaplain. Lonnie leaves the chaplain office and he goes, well, I got to fake this. Uh, I don't know what I'm doing, but I got to go report to the charge desk. I don't even know what that is. So Lonnie picked up a clipboard that had blank paper on it and he reports to the charge desk and he is watching nurses and doctors and techs and assistants. Everyone's flying around taking care of these babies who are fighting for their lives. And Lonnie said, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just standing there terrified. And so I did the only thing I knew to do. I was going to fake it until I make it. So I grabbed a pen out of my pocket and I started writing things down that didn't make sense just to look busy. Here's the thing. If you're in medicine, you know this. You can fool a lot of people in the hospital. But who can you not fool? a charge nurse. I'm going to pause here for a second and say this. If you are a charge nurse here tonight, one word, respect. Respect. That charge nurse took one look at Lonnie, and she knew. She walked over to him, and she said, Honey, whatever it is you think that you're doing, you need to put it down, and you need to come hold this baby. 
Lonnie goes, huh? She said, whatever it is you think you're doing right now, you need to put it down and come hold this baby. So she, before he knew what happened, he took, she took Lonnie by his shoulders, plopped him down into a rocking chair, put someone else's baby in, her, in his arms, and said, if you're going to be that baby's chaplain, you need to hold that baby, you need to love that baby, and you need to pray. And Lonnie said, okay, but, I mean, like, what am I supposed to do? She said, I, you, you need to hold that baby and love that baby and pray. Any of you who have ever held a child, any of you who are sitting next to children that you held for the first time, you know there's nothing else you can do. You've got to hold that baby, love that baby, and pray. Turns out uh, that not only is true for how to be a chaplain in the neonatal intensive care unit, it's not only true for what it means to be a parent, it actually is an invitation for what it means to walk the journey of faith. I don't know why you're here tonight. I don't know what brought you here. Maybe after the last 18 months, you thought, oh, God, I got to come back and have some sense of uh, Christmas again. I got to have some light in the middle of this darkness. Maybe you're here tonight, and you actually don't know why you're here. You just started talking out loud. I mean, you would never use the word pray, but you're starting to say things like, what am I doing here? Why does this matter? And you think that you're just talking out loud. You're actually praying. Maybe you don't know why you're here tonight. You're doing it out of obligation or you love tradition and you just want to hold the candle. Maybe you're here tonight because deep down in places that you just don't want to talk about at Christmas parties anymore, you just want to know. Hmm. You just want to be known. Maybe you're here tonight because you have this... Uh, unquenchable thirst to know Christ more fully. Here's the thing. I don't know why you're here. This is what I do know. Because you're here, you join the first cast of characters in this story. There's only one thing to do when you come tonight. You just like Mary and Joseph and the shepherds and every other person in the cast, you've come this night to behold the Christ child. You've come this night to hold and to behold the light of the world, Emmanuel, God with us. And the text reveals that once you behold the living Christ, that's just the beginning of the story. For once you behold the Christ, everything changes. Emperors have to put down their censuses. The powerful have to put down their power. The Magi, they got to put down their riches. The shepherds have to put down their staffs. 
oh, when you hold the Christ, it changes everything. When you hold the Christ, teachers are going to have to put down their grade books. Accountants are going to have to put down their pencils and their calculators. Lawyers are going to have to put down the law, and shopkeepers are going to have to put down their arguments. Judges are going to have to put down their gavels. And clergy are going to have to put down their certainty. Oh, Whatever it is that you are holding this night, the invitation is the same. For tonight unto us, a child is born, so behold. Whatever it is that you're doing, put it down. Come hold this baby. Love him and pray. For beloved, in all of our holding tonight, we will come to discover this truth. That you have been held the entire time by a God who has known you all of your days. By a God who has said, I will never be separate from you. A God who has taken on flesh and who dwells with us here and now. So, beloved, be loved. Behold and be held. Will you pray with me? We believe, O oh God. Help our unbelief. For we pray in Christ's holy name. Amen.